And now, it's time for news with my son. And on the phone, calling in from home because he is staying close to his beloved spouse who got her shot yesterday is my son, Jefferson Smith. How you doing, Jeff? Hey, Pop. I'm good. Yeah, Katie got her, uh, Katie got her second dose. And so she is experiencing the combination of uh, feeling like a superhero and feeling like she's got vaccine privilege uh, and also feeling uh, under, a little under the weather, uh, but, uh, which is apparently more likely during the, during the second dose. But it's but really glad that she's really glad that she's going to be safe. You know, you've got, I guess, immediately after you've got about 52%, uh, you got 52% likelihood of being safe from it. Uh, and then within a week, you got 90. Within two weeks, you got uh, 95%. So that's, those are apparently the numbers on the, on the vaccine. And so that's, I'm good. But the risk, the risk of serious, serious reaction, at least to the Moderna vaccine, really small. A study, CDC reports that it's about one in 400,000 that you have a serious reaction. And if you do have a serious reaction, so far, everyone that's experienced one has been able by a dose of antidote to recover okay. And almost all of those that had one already had allergies to something else. Yeah, it's to be clear, she's, she's, got, she's got no complaints. Right. I mean, the, I've had now, I've met, we've now had a family member in another state and I've had a friend who's had it and it's, and it has been a, it's been a kick in the head. It actually got, I don't mean the vaccine. I mean, actually got COVID. It's been a kick in the head and Sacred Smith and that we, they're now, you know, we've had more, more COVID deaths per week than we've ever had. It's not, it's no joke. It's nothing to mess with. We all know this. Uh, but yeah, she's not, she's not sweating the vaccine. She's just grateful for it. So, take it away. Well, this is a show we try to talk about the news. We try to talk about the most important stuff. Sometimes we talk about unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Pop typically takes the first turn, and sometimes consecutive ones. Dad, do you have a shout-out? I do. I have two shout-outs. First, I want a shout-out for Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, who, when asked how did he manage to survive the DDT denial of science, and he said, well, I just didn't let it bother me. His ability to hang in there, to maintain his integrity, and now be available as the principal advisor on the subject to the President of the United States, who is actually going to listen to the science, is absolutely wonderful. And then I want to shout out for Susan Rice, who the president has appointed as his domestic advisor, chief domestic advisor, who appeared on OPB a couple of nights ago talking about the need for equity in America and who gave the teleprompter-less, most cogent exposition on the subject that I have ever heard. It just was really, really impressive. And of course, it symbolizes the difference of what we're getting now. We're getting people in the government, running the government, who actually know S from Shinola. It is wonderful. Yeah, people who believe in the proposition that we might be occasionally stronger together than we are apart, that there is such a thing as government that in fact exists, that has functions that matter, those functions should be performed should be performed with competence we're starting to have it's a miracle there are actual press conferences with actual press there and they're not just getting yelled at and they're not getting just consistently prevaricated to it's a, it is a reminder each day want to acknowledge the passing of the great actress Cloris Leachman who left us at age 94 she was something want to warn you if you're planning on traveling south of the Oregon border, the highway has been closed south of Ashland because of snow in Northern California. So check first 
Also, I suspect that this has been an absolutely wonderful thing for providers of lodging in Medford and Ashland that I'm sure got filled up with people who couldn't, weren't allowed to travel south of Ashland. And also just want to acknowledge that 160 years ago this week, the last southern state turned traitor against the United States. Well, Pop, where do you want to start? Do you COVID. want to start with some of your thoughts on the presidency or the cabinet? I know one thing we wanted to talk about at some point was the new study, or maybe it's a combination of studies, about what actually convinces people in political arguments, that facts don't convince people, but there are a couple of things that do. I wanted to talk about that a little bit this morning. Where do you want to start well, off? We can talk. We can talk. We can talk about that first, and then I'd like to talk about COVID. So there is a, a couple of new studies, and I don't know. And I don't know if you have this chapter and verse. I do have it in front of me, but do you have? I think you're, you're the one who shared it with me. So many of us, of course, have been tracking the growing divide in the American public across our politics. This is an this is an asymmetrical divide. It is not, you know, good and bad people on both sides. It's critically important to understand. There is not the the filter bubble that surrounds uh, Fox News, etc., uh, Rush Limbaugh, etc. There is no uh, there is no equivalent on any other side. Uh, but nonetheless, we have a significant gap. The Pew Research Trust, uh, Pew Research Center, I should say, has found that across 10 issues tracked since 1994, uh, ranging from race relations to the role of government in helping poor people, et cetera, et cetera, the average gap between Democrats and Republicans has grown from 15 percentage points to 36 percentage points. We have seen a big sort and we have seen greater cleavage. So that raises the question, how do we get together? How do we actually convince? And of course, we are in a myriad of debates on social media as a country without a drop to drink. How much do we learn in those conversations? How much is ever convinced? Who is ever convinced? Dad, what struck you do you remember? Do you have it in your well, the thing brain? That, the, thing, the thing, of what course, actually, the thing of what actually convinces people. The thing the study reveals, and it not only the study reveals, but my own experience confirms, that trying to ply folks who have been taken in by five years, and it really is five years, of a drumbeat from the first candidate and then president of the United States that government can't be trusted and especially that elections are rigged and the believing of that gap and the post-election insistence of that, that trying to convince the folks who have bought into that Kool-Aid with a recitation of facts doesn't work. And what the study suggests is that if you can tell stories stories that demonstrate what you're trying to get across, you are much more likely to be successful. And and I I've I've got a I've been cudgeling my brain to think, well what stories can I tell? And if anybody has any suggestions, please let us know. The text line is two nine seven one two two zero KXRY, that's 971-220-5979. And Jefferson, do you have any ideas on the subject? Yeah, the, the studies studied this in a number of ways. They told 251 participants to imagine speaking to someone they disagreed with on a moral issue, such as abortion, and asked participants to write about what would make them respect their opponent's opinions. Just over 55% said opinions based on facts and statistics would increase respect, while a smaller percentage said personal experiences would do the trick. In a second nationally representative study, they asked 859 participants to imagine interacting with one opponent who based their opinions on fact 
and one who based who they based their opinions on experience. The participants rated a fact-based opponent as more rational, so they would respect that opponent more. But follow-up studies said that most of the participants had it backwards. In actual face-to-face interactions, despite what they said they would find persuasive, online debates and debates between talking heads on television, experience-based arguments actually garnered more respect between opponents than arguments based on facts. So for instance, in one study, researchers had someone pose as a passerby who was, engage, who was engaging people in political discussion about gun rights and gun control. They watched 153 face-to-face conversations about guns, and they took independent coders. They rated the responses to the topic as more respectful when the faux activists based their opinions on experience over fact. Same was true with YouTube comments. Looking at about 301,000 YouTube comments on 194 videos about abortion, the conversation was more respectful when the videos focused on personal experiences instead of facts and statistics. Commenters used more positive tone, more positive emotional words, more words associated with affiliation and togetherness. Uh, similarly, more people were respectful of New York Times op-eds based on personal experiences rather than stats. Opponents on CNN and Fox News interviews between 2002 and 2017 more respectful, treated their opponents as more rational when conversations were based on experiences. So that's one of the big takeaways. This is also true when we looked at the polling and then the focus grouping and then actually the results in bending our history towards same-sex marriage, that what ended up being the most persuasive was when somebody said, this is somebody in my life that I know is being personally impacted by oppression against the LGBTQIA community, or they just use the word the gay community potentially at that time in history. Uh, further experiences, for, excuse me, further experiments found that stories are most associated with ex- increased respect when the experience is relevant, harm-based, and personal. So, for instance, and I even witnessed this when the, in a discussion, I've even done it in an online discussion about COVID when I said, listen, my wife works in a health center and, and, uh, and she is at real risk every day. I, I take the vaccine seriously. I take COVID-19 seriously. That very thing has, has changed the trajectory of otherwise occasionally absurd online debates. Uh, so the power of experience and being uh, and, and trying to be respectful uh, has been are a couple of tools. And anyway, as we're uh, as we're thinking about how we're going to come together as a country or how people want to persuade their friends and relatives, I thought that was useful. I, I do have one story, you know, although it's a it's not a personal experience story. But the, I use the story of the post office. When people talk about, well, is the federal government you know, worth anything? Is it, is it effective? I like the example of the Internet. I think is a good one. Uh, and then my favorite one is the post office with the, the acquaintance of mine who worked for the U.S. Gemological Society, and they had to mail diamonds. And what they used to mail diamonds when they had the choice of any shipping service in the whole world was plain paper U.S. mail. had the highest rate or I guess the lowest rate of loss of any kind of mail offering that there was. Yep. Well, should we talk about COVID? It's your world. Well, first, uh, just so much to talk about COVID. First, trends that are happening, uh, an encouraging trend is that reported cases are down 35%. And there's speculation that may that may be because just a whole lot more people are wearing masks. You should be wearing your mask, please. Also, a study by Indiana University, where they revert, reviewed over 60 studies, that's reported in the Brookings paper on economic activity, is that the shutdowns really didn't cause the big dive in the economy that the virus did because people were already staying home, already not going to restaurants, already not going to retail outlets before any shutdowns began because of it. And also when shutdowns were lifted, there wasn't a sudden increase because people were still appropriately acting to protect themselves against any infection. Also, 
that there was no correlation between red and blue states over how, how many people got sick. Just a, a very, very interesting study. The vaccine distribution has really been close to a disaster so far. And something I'm really curious, and if you or any of our listeners can explain it, we keep getting a report that there are vaccine shortages all over the place, but every time they give the figure as to how many short, how many doses have been shipped and how many doses have been shot into an arm, it's always nearly twice as many shipped. And I don't understand how there can be, a, how, how there's a shortage if half of the doses that have been shipped are somehow not getting into arms. And if anybody has an explanation for that, it may, of course, just be because it's difficult to, to get scheduled, challenged to decide who gets it. Uh, your brother... Yeah, we can dwell on that for a moment. Yeah, the, go for it. There are a couple of things we know of. Uh, we know that there's a nurse shortage. Uh, the, you know, the, the field that I am uh, working in now is uh, trying to address adherence to clinical research studies and, and greater compliance in clinical research studies. And we're going to be doing a podcast on, on the future of clinical trials. Uh, in fact, we've already started it. And, the, uh, and one of the early preliminary conversations was, was, with, a, was with a staffing organization who said that their biggest work right now is, in fact, on, on filling nurse positions. And, of course, registered nurses who are willing to go in for temporary contracts are earning multiples of of people in other fields, uh, so we know that's that's part of it. Uh, so a lot of it is just the not just the distribution of vaccine to location, but actually because you can't just ship these direct to patient, right? You, you want to make sure that somebody because you don't want loss at doorsteps, you don't want it. Uh, but there is, I could imagine, some sort of disagreement, right, on that on that very subject. So yeah, it's a good one to track. But yeah, what else you watching that? Well, also also on COVID, a caution, an interesting caution to all of you who have been staying home, but when you get vaccine, as we move out, it will be going back to work. If you have a pet, a cat or a dog especially, be aware that your sudden absence from the house could be quite traumatic for your pet. And so you might think about starting to wean your pet from constant contact, sometimes going for a walk, for example, without your dog. Just that, that, is, that is something to be aware of. Get to it slowly. The uh, uh, Scheduling, scheduling is a real challenge. We need an expert. I'm hoping we sometime in the next week or so we might be able to get an expert on the show to help people figure out how to get scheduled. Uh, the, the last report is that I will be eligible on the 8th of February. Your brother, because he is a teacher, is going to get it in the next few days. One thing that is really helping and may also help the down number of cases and the up in number of people wearing masks is we now have a president who is telling us the truth, who has gone on national television and said, folks, it's going to get worse before it gets better. This is not suddenly going to go away. The vaccine has not suddenly solved all of the problems. The student achievement gap, one of the downs of the student achievement gap it has gone up because kids are not in class. I know Jonathan is really looking forward to getting back in class where he can have direct contact with his students and especially some of those students who have had a hard time dealing on television. Just a whole lot going on in the COVID world and it is and it's going to continue probably pretty close through the end of the year. Is there anything else on COVID you'd like to talk about? If not, there's some just a couple of international things I think are worth mentioning. Well, fire away. First, this is this is an international issue, even though it's a domestic issue also, and that is what 
to do with and about the wall. And one of the things, the more we learn about the wall, the more we realize how much corruption there were, the lack of transparency in the lim in the giving of contracts, the high correlation between the giving of contracts to people who were close to DDT is just absolutely astonishing. And, and the question is, how much did you... Uh, Biden has said, stop work. And of course, there's going to have to be a lot of work to see what contracts can be canceled, got out of. And uh, I suspect there'll be lots of litigation about that. The uh, And do you just leave it what's up, up? I don't know. Be interested in listeners' thoughts. Be interested in your thoughts. Well, some of the stories we do have prepared. Biden signed three more executive orders on Wednesday, continue a streak of executive actions with two orders and a memorandum. One was the executive order on tackling the climate crisis at home and abroad. It stops Secretary of Interior from entering into new oil and natural gas leases on public lands or offshore waters. Also establishes a national climate task force, among other measures. Most notably, it shows the effort for Biden to center climate action domestically and through foreign policy. There was also an executive order on establishing the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology. They also signed a presidential memorandum on science integrity. This designates the director of the Office of Science and Technology Policy is responsible for ensuring scientific integrity across federal agencies. That said, there was one immigration order in uh, was it, it was it in a Texas federal court, uh, federal court based in Texas that was invalidated, and it surprised some court watchers that it was invalidated. It was an, a warning that the legacy, that the Trump McConnell legacy of a transformed federal judiciary, the Federalist Society legacy, the Koch brothers uh, legacy of a transformed federal judiciary, will be a gift that keeps on giving. Uh, and that come that came to mind. My dad, how much have you been watching the Biden executive orders? Any that have most heartened you? Any of it? Well, the, 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 the encouraging thing about it is, is that they all recognize the reality of the problems which we must face. And, and the reason it's it's appropriate for you to bring this up right now, when I was talking about international stuff, is that climate change is obviously. A, an international problem. It does not stop at the border. But with the executive orders, a, a comment. Obama caught a lot of flack from the folks on the right because of his executive orders. He was just really attacked. The, 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 the nighttime Fox News folks just loved to attack him on his executive orders, saying, unconstitutional, shouldn't be so many. I think that Biden is going to get much more of a pass on the number of executive orders because his immediate predecessor made such a very big deal about executive orders and loved to sign them on television, loved to hold them up to show what a fantastic signature that he had, feed his ego by showing his signature. And so... So there, there hasn't so far been a lot of flack about the number of executive orders. There is hollering from the right about uh, what some of them do, but not whether or not the president has the right to do them. And talking about some international stuff that I just want to mention, we should all be very relieved that the START nuclear treaty has been extended for five years, which hopefully will give ample time to negotiate new nuclear arms treaties to reduce the danger of those huge weapons actually being used. Joe, President Biden has put a pause on sending F-35 fighter planes and other military equipment to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, and that's something to keep an eye on. And, and uh, Jeff mentioned climate change. 
if you have if you if you go to New York Times in this morning's New York Times online, they have an interactive on the predicted effects of climate change, and it is really chilling. It, it shows the world, and it has colors showing the risk, the high risk of flooding, heat stress, water stress, wildfires, cyclones and tornadoes, and sea level rise, and folks, it will get your attention. Jeff, are you there? We've got uh, stocks are their worst daily drop since October on uh, yesterday. Wall Street seeing its worst day in months on Wednesday. The SP and 500 and NASDAQ fell 2.5%, 2.6%. Actually, Dow fell 2%. Uh, a few stocks still on the rise, Dad. That included AMC, which grew 300%, and GameStop, which rose 130%. Have you been paying attention to the GameStop meme stock? Yeah, three three guys three guys worth more than a million. But the, the in the last three months, less than that, the last couple of months, the stock has gone from something like twenty dollars to three hundred and fifty-four dollars on a company that still hasn't shown a profit. And a lot of a lot of hedge funds that, on the way up, went short, and they went short too soon. But at some point, strikes me that short is going to be a really good place to be on that stock. Yeah, it's it, it's almost been a laugh. And I'll tell you, I think I think this GameStop thing is relevant. Right? You know, uh, Elon Musk came in. There, some of what's driving it is a. I, I think it's one of the more important phenomena to understand it's happening in the stock market. And what's happening in the stock market is important, I think, to understand some of the challenges that face the American economy and that may face the American economy to come. That you have these Reddit threads, these Reddit threads that pump up stocks. And this one in particular that was angry at the short sellers, was angry at these hedge funds who were trying to sell uh, GameStop short, of course, because now you, the reason you'd go to GameStop is because you'd be at the shopping mall or you'd go there to pick up a cartridge for a game. Well, now you download games. Right now you don't need a cartridge for a game in the same way you did. And there's a good question whether GameStop is giving you a viable business. Yeah, and they're going to close lots of their stores. Yeah, but they, but you know, there's there some argue that they were undervalued, and then when the short sellers started working. There was a big short seller backlash. It's like, hey, let's go, let's go soak the rich. Let's go soak the, the these big hedge funds that are trying to make a profit on GameStop's demise. And so, just kept jacking up the price. And then, of course, some of the short sellers needed to needed to buy a position to cover their short. And those large purchases drove the stock even further uh, up. And so now it's this at this ridiculous high level, uh, and the uh, but, but a couple of the dynamics to pay attention to are I, I worry that this could poke the bubble of the stock market generally. It reminds me a little bit of when AOL, AOL bought Time Warner. And I remember that day being among many in America who around and said, wait a minute, this company AOL who mails out little CDs to people's doorsteps so they can get on the internet that's the company that's going to buy Time Warner. That's like one of the most uh, respected and profitable uh, media companies in the world. And it's not that Time Warner is buying AOL, but AOL is the one that's buying Time Warner. And and at that moment, for me, uh, I, the the rise in stock prices in the dot com bubble started to look ridiculous. I don't think I'm the only one. It was not long thereafter that, in fact, the bubble was popped. I think likewise. The, there has been such a run-up in in stock prices, it makes me real nervous. And I think that the GameStop thing uh, could let people know that. It also, I also do fear uh, manipulation of prices by people not only looking for profits, but people who have nefarious uh, who have nefarious motives. And the some of the alliances that Elon Elon Musk has. Uh, I, uh, not all of them do I trust, and so I've, I have my spidey sense tingling a little bit. 
But that was one thing I didn't know if you had a perspective on, but wanted to share. It might be worth mentioning that Tesla is apparently that's last showing a profit. But the it, it is important to, to remember that these three individuals who, because they have a significant percentage of the, the GameStop stock, their wealth is on paper. But the only way that they can turn that into money is to sell their stock. And if just one of them started to sell a whole bunch of stock so that he could actually reap the reward of his good luck in owning the stock, that will start the price of the stock down. And once the stock starts to go down, the likelihood of that down accelerating just as the up has accelerated increases by perhaps an order of magnitude and that could indeed make people start to look realistically at the ratio of of uh, price to earnings well, and I'll tell you what I'll tell and you to what assets Anybody who did, I, I apologize I didn't mean to interrupt finish your point go ahead now it looks like uh it looks like GameStop dropped 31% today. Oh, wow. In, in early morning trading. No, I went to bed last night and I was like, oh, maybe I should put in a short. Uh, should have put a short yesterday. Because once it's, once it's hit the cycle, I was I was texting a friend of mine who's a day trader. He, he built a business as a young guy, sold it, and now he spends his time being a day trader. And he... Uh, and, and he said, yeah, and I texted him about it. And he said, the fact that you texted me lets me know that the cycle is about to end. <laughs> and I went to bed thinking, you know, now everybody's talking about it. Now, like, now there'd been a, you know, there was a, there were a couple podcasts on the subject. I was like, now's going to be a time when the, when, when there'll be more people who, who go short and or the people who are long and try to do their profit taking. And it looks like that's happened this morning. It's gone down. Found out a hundred dollars a share. The price had risen to three hundred and forty bucks a share. Now it's down to two hundred and thirty-seven bucks a share. Uh, there was anyway, but and, and so, so, phenomenal, so interesting. Right? And and if any of our listeners are not don't don't understand what a short is, what a short is is that what you in effect do is that you borrow stock from somebody else and sell it at a current price expecting that the stock is going to drop and, and, and when it drops you will then buy the stock back and give it back to the people from whom you borrowed it. It's a thing that is made possible by there being a stock, stock exchanges and very risky, short selling is very risky because if you go short and the stock goes up then you have to put up more and more money, and at some point, as the hedge funds have experienced, some of the hedge funds have experienced, they take it in the shorts. So, entering international stuff, I just want to mention serious, serious unrest in Tunisia over what people apparently correctly believe is inequity, inequality, and corruption in Mozambique because of a major offensive by ISIS in Central Africa over who knows what, lots going on there. And then an environmental thing, but is international. A study reported in Cryosphere publication that we are losing 1.2 trillion tons of ice, mostly off of Greenland, some of off Antarctica, per year, which means that the sea rise productions may be seriously underestimated and that uh, there's been a 60% increase over the rate of ice loss in just the last decade. Folks, climate change is real. And we're talking about stocks and wealth and what is real wealth and real wealth for sure, of course, well, probably real wealth for sure are things like real estate that is not going to go anywhere. But cash in the bank is pretty good. And 
Treasury bonds, probably pretty good. But in the estimate of global tax revenue that is lost each year to companies that incorporate in tax havens, $245 billion. And to individuals who store their assets in tax havens, $182 billion. There is a huge opportunity for government to go after those individuals and corporations that are hiding their wealth. Elizabeth Warren, where are you? Jeff, you want to talk about local stuff? You want to go first or you want me to go? Go ahead. Okay, well, first, I just want to talk a little bit about the contre-temps the, that uh, our mayor, Ted Wheeler, had with a local lawyer. Have you been following that? Yeah, our mayor carries pepper, pepper spray. That was my takeaway. And the heir of the Alpen Rose Dairy likes to go around filming and harassing our mayor. It's a ridiculous story. Yeah, Kerry Randall Cordona, Cardono, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, a partner in Brownstein and Rask, a member of the Oregon Bar for about 20 years, apparently thought it was appropriate to video our mayor, not uh, from a decent six-foot social distance, but from a one-foot-in-your-face, and who declined to back off when the mayor asked him to back off, so the mayor, rather than punching him in the stomach, shot him with pepper spray. And the, uh, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. While we're, while we're talking about the mayor uh, related to it, one of his employees and two other Portlanders are going to have very significant positions in the um, Federal Department of Transportation Dan Simmons is going to be assistant to the secretary and director of public affairs. Maurice Henderson, uh, Wheeler's former chief of staff, senior advisor to the secretary. Irene Marion from Portland Bureau of Transportation, Equity and Inclusivity director is going to be the, P, the federal DOT division rights department. And I'm wondering how much that is related to the fact that Earl Blumenauer has a, a fairly large footprint or at least identification with alternative modes of transportation, namely bikes, and also the fact that Peter DeFazio is the big muck, mucky muck in the house now on transportation. Do you think that there might be that's just solely a coincidence or that there might be a relationship? I don't know, Dad, but GameStop is now down fifty six percent for the day. Holy cow. <laughs> you know, I when I read the story last night I thought it's time to go short, but I don't I don't have an account where it would be possible for me to go short. But <laughs> I hope your friend went short. I hope so too. And I wish you had. <laughs> I hope so too. What an opportunity! It was, it, it, I think I think the GameStop I think the GameStop party is over. Is part of over. Is that, I, I think that I think that uh, part, part of what happened is like Wells Fargo to the online traders put a stop to additional buys. They wouldn't let people buy more buy more shares, uh, and and so I think that was that happened this morning. It happened at, uh, at eleven o'clock Eastern, so it happened like seventeen minutes ago. I think that very thing said, okay, well, if we can't go higher. Gonna, people aren't going to hold this darn thing, so let's go lower now. And of course, uh, the the and the problem is the problem is if if you 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 want to sell and and there's been a stop on buying, to whom do you sell? And then you have to continue. The, the the big question for the short sellers is when is it time to cover? And so people understand this: when you go short, you get to you have to put up in cash a small percentage of the value of the stock at the moment that you borrowed it. And that's why if it goes up, you have to put more cash and more cash. But if it goes down, the only question you have is that when is the time to cover? Because, for example, folks who covered when it was down 30% are going to be really sad that they didn't wait till now 
when it's down 50%. And folks who are covering right now, if it goes down another 25%, are going to be really sorry they didn't borrow further. Fortunes well, to be made. Back to the, I, I know this is not people's stock market watch show. Uh, the but another and we are talking about local stuff. We do know that real estate investors' interest in Portland does seem to be declining. Uh, four years ago, Portland was one of the most desirable cities in the country for real estate developers. And now it's what sixty-eight. Say again. Yeah, and now it's something like sixty-eight. Yeah, that according to the Urban Land Institute, uh, Portland is ranked sixty-fifth in desirability for lenders, investors, and developers. Uh, it, by comparison, just four years ago in uh, 2017, uh, Portland ranked third. Uh, Dad, why do you think confidence from real estate investors, obviously I have thoughts, but what's your perspective on why confidence from real estate investors has fallen in Portland? Well, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but I, I can't help but think that there is at least some correlation to the news that Portland has earned, some legitimately and some because it gave Fox and Fox's friends an opportunity to tout it to all the broken windows and all the vandalism, which has continued and which is justified. I've been in a, a long time dialogue with apologists for the vandals on next door. And I think that, that has to have had some effect. And then, of course, once once there's something happens that starts a trend down, the trend itself tends to increase it just because it exists. What we've been talking about, stopgap, is the classic example. And so once people, people think, well, you know, maybe that's not such a good place to want to invest, then other people think, well, those people think it's not such a good idea to invest. Maybe we won't think so either. And then other people, and they see it and see it, and down it goes. Any other thoughts you have? Yeah, we do know the property insurance has risen between a third to a half this year, in part due to the rampant graffiti. Insurance companies using it as a, either a reason or as an excuse to jack up insurance rates. Uh, downtown, of course, has uh, has so much less activity. Portland's not alone in that. Uh, I think that uh, I have to imagine that uh, you know homelessness, including visible homelessness, uh, is playing a role. Some of it was that we had such an increase in prices, so that uh, prices are higher. So what, when when you're a developer, when you're an investor, and you're looking at uh, you're looking at that investment, you're not looking at what its value is now. You're looking at its potential for it to grow, and that's how you evaluate the value. Uh, and Portland had already seen uh, significant growth in property values, particular growth in expenses. Another another factor could well be, and, and probably plays at least somewhat of a role, I've heard it for multiple people, are the uh, are some of the uh, renter protections. Uh, hopefully, the, the good news in any of this, hopefully there will be a uh, hopefully there'll be a little bit of a softening in rental prices and, and, and in housing prices. But uh, in, in, under normal economic circumstances, you'd want increased supply to do that. The housing market is, uh, is a little weird. But nonetheless, if there are fewer new starts being built, if there are fewer new buildings being built, then, the, uh, then you don't have increased supply. Uh, of course, we are dealing housing. We one of the issues on uh, facing the Oregon legislature, a bunch of others facing the Oregon legislature, and facing our political structure. Dad, I don't know if you saw this. The Oregon Republican Party. Oh yeah, had, the, Repu- the Republican Party, the executive committee of the Republican Party, did a stupid thing, and so Republican legislators are saying, "No, no, that's not us. That's not us." Tell us about the Republican it. Republican Party of Oregon passed resolution dismissing. The capital attack as a false flag operation. Party officials suggest the attack was designed to discredit President Trump and supporters and all conservative Republicans. The resolution also criticized 10 Republicans in Congress for supporting impeachment. The resolution was approved by the Executive Committee of the Republican Party of Oregon. And one more example of the Republican Party, uh, there, you know, people can characterize the direction they've gone. But 23 House Republican lawmakers tried to distance themselves from that and asserted there is no credible evidence to support a false flag claim. Uh, 
Uh, it was a significant move to try to separate from the party line. The party's resolution has been criticized nationwide uh, by groups like the Anti-Defamation League. Of course, this is the same Republican Party that had Roger Stone as one of their keynote speakers uh, to a once proud conference. So that's the Oregon Republican Party news, Bob. And, and that's that's just not Oregon Republican Party. That's all over the country where people really are convinced that the folks who did who crashed the Capitol, the who trashed the inside of the Capitol, who vandalized the Senate chambers, who tore off the sign from the Speaker's office, that they were all Antifa, Antifa people who were posing as Trump supporters to make things bad. And, and to give an idea, going back to where we talked earlier this morning about how do you get to people who believe that kind of stuff, facts don't matter. Tom Hartman had a woman on uh, Monday morning who was absolutely convinced that that was the case. And he said over, and, and he pointed out to her that something like 150 arrests have been made, charges actually given, and they're looking for another 350, 250, because I, I think they're going to get to 400. And, and, <coughs> and said, can you give me the name of one of those persons who is not an identified Trump supporter. And she couldn't. But that did not for one moment dent her belief in this ridiculous story. It is just absolutely astonishing. Meanwhile, a Proud Boys leader was uh, had been working as a government informant. <laughs> yeah, he was a fake. Boys. <laughs> Proud Boys are a far-right Western chauvinist group, the extremist group. They often rally against the deep state and activate as anti-government activists. So it came as a bit of a shock when it was revealed that its leader, Henry Enrique Tarrio, I think it's Tarrio, but Tarrio, uh, had worked as a police informant a decade ago. Back in 2012, not quite a decade, a decade ago, he was convicted of fraud. And he helped police prosecute more than a dozen other people. He's also in, uh, involved in undercover operations involving steroids and prescription narcotics. Uh, he got arrested just two days before the Capitol riot after burning a Black Lives, Ratter, Black Lives Matter banner at a historically black church and carrying high-capacity firearms. He was banned from the District of Columbia. It's likely, though, Dad, that his... How, how do you think that his uh, history as an informant will... Well, that's interesting because because in his defense, in his defense, that is from the standpoint of the Proud Boys, all of his thinking had nothing to do with domestic terrorism, had apparently nothing to do with white supremacy and the far right stuff for which the Proud Boys stands. It was people who committed fraud and people who who sold drugs. So that may that may let him off their hook. It'll be interesting to see. Indeed, uh, they had salmon are spawning in the upper Columbia River for the first time in 80 years. For decades, scientists have been working in the Confederated Tribes and with the Confederated Tribes, the Colville system. In the 30s and again in the 50s, two dams were built that blocked the salmon from reaching higher levels of that river system to spawn that prevented indigenous tribes from carrying out cultural practices, including fishing and salmon songs. Uh, this August, the Colville tribes released 100 salmon upstream to see if they could survive and spawn. And so far, scientists have found 36 deposits of salmon eggs in the upper Columbia. Salmon yeah, that, that, was, some, that was something that we reported. You start talking often before I finish, but go oh, ahead. Excuse me. I, I thought you no, had finished. Go ahead, finish, finish. No, I, I, you go ahead, Pop. Well, that was something we reported on first a couple of weeks ago. We kind of had an advance on that, and it is really, really encouraging Let's hope so. Some other state and local news. The legislature. What do you think the legislature will or should do with Diego Hernandez? Uh, I, I will. I will set aside the should. Uh, he's already been stripped of committee assignments. 
I, I could imagine there now being a an effort by some members of the legislature to try to combine uh, discipline with uh, Representative Nearman with uh, Representative Hernandez and try to and try to create some degree of equivalence. Uh, but now that there has been an investigation, uh, I think that it's um, I think that had that investigation not been had that been resolved before the election, I think that might have impacted. I think probably likely would have impacted the election results. Uh, so whether whether this is his last term, I think the odds that he uh, doesn't have a strongly contested race in the coming primary is very low, and uh, and so the question is: Does he serve out this term, or does he get uh, does he get censured? Or does he or do they try to oust him? I think I presume right now there are discussions on that very topic. I won't speculate. Uh, I won't speculate on those discussions, and I don't have, and I do not have a source. I have not. I'm not trying to dig into into what's happening right now. While we're talking about the legislature, one bill that I think will be interesting to watch is the right to repair bill. Have you been following that at all? The right to repair? No, I don't know if I have. Well, it's a bill that, if passed, and, and I I'm, will be interested to see if it can, if it does pass, if it can survive a lawsuit saying that it is in a subject area that has been preempted by the federal government under the Commerce Clause. But companies like Apple, for example, do not allow anybody other than their own employees to have tools and and uh, other things, but especially tools to repair their products, which enables them both to charge a whole lot for repairs, but especially because they charge a whole lot for repairs, convince people that the best thing to do is to just give up what they have and buy something new. And so there's a there's a bill to create a right to say you can't do that anymore. And I. I I think that's a great idea, and it's worth watching. Also, there's an interesting bill to ban mega dairies, and I think that's a bill that ought to pass. If 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 anything should show that should happen, the disaster of the dairy up the up the Columbia River that was was just an envir- environmental disaster. That's something to keep an eye on. Are there any other bills that you're especially watching? Yeah, the Port uh, Mercury has a piece on uh, bills around policing, and I'll be tracking those. Port Report will be tracking those. Uh, the BIPOC caucus not only tracking those, but advancing uh, some of those. Uh, the uh, Joanne Hardesty has a bill on the subject. Uh, some of these bills include limitations as to when police can use tear gas, a ban on chokeholds, new public database for disciplinary actions taken against police officers. Uh, lawmakers did uh, pass a bill that created a new subcommittee tasked with researching and vetting police reform policies proposed, proposed during this session. Uh, now, they've generated more than a dozen bills. They'll begin hearing those. Uh, the uh, one that establishes that state database of reports of use of force by police officers, another requiring officers to ensure that after making an arrest, the arrested person gets a medical assessment. So we pay attention to those bills. Also, pay big attention to see if a if a legislative proposal to limit campaign contributions will be able to get through the legislature. Uh, big ups to Andrea Salinas, who is actually trying to make sure there's a meaningful bill, not just a bill that is uh, gets to call itself campaign finance reform without significantly changing the status quo. So yeah, that's a set that I am. Uh, that's a set that I'm watching. Uh, also, will there be major uh, climate legislation? Is a is a real question in the Oregon legislature. I know our friend Aileen Kay listens to the show and tracks the legislature. Be curious to know which bill she is tracking, uh, and do encourage people to go ahead and track. You can you can track what happens in the Oregon legislature uh, pretty handily. And if you go to OregonLegislature.gov, you can check out some of the bills. You can check out some of the hearings. And there's fascinating stuff. And I would encourage the, the 
fans of the show and the people who have worked on the show to uh, to to do track that stuff. And you might be able to bring things to our attention that we otherwise might miss out on. It will be interesting to see what the legislature does Ray climate. And of course, there again, the the preemption of by the federal government in areas related to climate change will always be something that has to be watched. And while we're talking about climate and environment, people might be interested to know that federal money has been provided to repopulate the waters off the Oregon coast with sea otters, where there were once lots of sea otters and they went away. And there's been some a 90% decline in sea stars because of a proliferation of urchins that that uh, are part of, of their diet, which is kind of scary. Any other legislature before this, I mentioned a couple of other local... So local there's stories. a couple of things. Oh, we've got... Uh, um, it said, interesting, Mitch caved on the filibuster knowing two Democrats will not support it. She says, Marcy. Thank you, Marcy. I don't know, Dad, if you had any comment on that. Maybe that was one of the things you wanted to address before Sir on the Wind. Well, the, the, filibuster, the filibuster is a tough one. A, a study that was came out yesterday shows that over the history of the filibuster, going back from its origination, it has been used much more by folks who are opposed to decency, especially used by folks who oppose equal rights for people of color. Uh, but it has also been used by Democrats. But uh, the uh, what maybe what they might be able to get away with is to reduce it down to 55 or 60, but that's something to watch. Other local news, Alpha Media. The Alpha Media conglomerate that owns over 200 radio stations has declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, that's uh, Kink and KGW, Lars Larson's home in Portland, will be interesting, which I think we can legitimately call it local news because it's our senior senator. Senior Senator Ron Wyden has joined six other senators in a uh, almost unprecedented, in fact, it, with the, you go back to McCarthy, it happened, very, very rare, but have called for an ethics examination of Cruz and Hawley because of their supporting the, supporting the coup when it comes right down to it. Other local news, police chief level, the Portland police chief, is suggesting that maybe we need to revive the gun violence team because there's just a whole lot of gun violence happening in Portland. The question, of course, is whether or not a gun violence team will, in fact, do something about it. Vincent, uh, in our listeners' thoughts on that or your thoughts on that? Well, looks like GameStop recovered a little bit. It's down 44% for the day. When I don't have a comment on, on something you're saying, I'm just going to go ahead and give you what's happening with GameStop when I'm not, <laughs> when I'm not, when I'm not prepared. That's just right. fascinating. Yeah. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I, I do wish, I do wish that I had yesterday noon opened an account and put all of my, all of my available assets into into a short sale on that, I'd be able I'd be able to pay off my mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dad, I think it's time for a straw in the wind. I have a straw in the wind, and my straw in the wind was—I just have to chuckle. My straw in the wind was a GameStop had gone from twenty to three fifty-four. <laughs> I'll give I'll give one. We were fixing a little too much of the stock market this morning, but thanks for everybody's patience with that. But on my mind, I, I want to give a, a local a local shout out that Arkimoto, uh started by a friend of the show and a personal friend of mine, Metro Meyer, uh, has went. He and I spoke on the phone yesterday, and I and I had seen that they had gone public, and we had reported that here, and uh, and I knew they'd been doing pretty well. But they their their share value went from ninety seven cents a share back in March. 
and they're not yesterday they closed at twenty two dollars a share. Wow. They've gone up they've gone up twenty X. And that increase in capitalization allowed them to do their first acquisition, which they completed in six weeks. They bought a thing called, called Tilt Motors or something. With a lot with, uh, what Arc Motor does is they build a, a small electric vehicles, uh, like three-wheeled, three-wheel electric vehicles, and which have a lower price point than a Tesla, and but are really fun, and they're sort of like an in-between a motorcycle and a car. Uh, and one of their use cases is you know trying to get into places like uh, like fire departments so the fire departments have have a vehicle that can quickly move in and out, in and around traffic uh, and they can get you know two firefighters somewhere really efficiently uh, really quickly with really low gas price uh, and and so yeah shout out to shout out to Mark Fromeyer who is uh, who, who has been grinding on this thing for years and years and was multiple times nearly uh, multiple times just about hit a wall as a company and now it's looking like a real success from 97 cents to 20 dollars i would say that's a pretty big success pretty good pretty good all right pop well we did it one more time we did it indeed and we'll be back on monday love you lad love you too pop